do it. Let's do it. All right. Welcome to episode 23 of Trade Secrets. Uh, super excited to welcome Jeremy Waldrop, the CEO of the Pittsburgh Downtown Partnership. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, really excited. Um, and as always, we've got a topic du jour, and uh, then we're going to talk about downtown Pittsburgh. And The topic du jour is downtown Pittsburgh today. But a very specific, you know headline that's been happening um, around negative press you know unfortunately our newspapers here like to sell on negativity rather than on positivity and then we'll talk about some bourbon we're gonna check out another uh, Junction 35 bourbon from uh, Pigeon Forge so uh, jumping right in on topic of the day um, yeah negative press versus positive press I'm sure in your role you would love to be in charge of what the paper writes. Yeah, most definitely. And as you can see, I'm certainly not. <laughs> we can talk to a reporter for 45 minutes and we'll get, you know, three sentences in and it's going to be the most negative thing that we said, generally speaking. And that's not always the case, but what do they say? If it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's, it's funny because you were, before we got started, you were talking about your your wife and what she does and how she was saying that people are just depressed right now yes. because the weather the you know temperatures whatever um, and there's all this talk about in the news lately like reports about social media leading to depression and everything and yesterday I was reading something that one of our clients sent us that said like people find what they look for or like if you're in that state of mind and you're looking for something to like you want something to relate to you so like <laughs> Or the unhappiness breeds more unhappiness breeds more and it's all just like negativity 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 yeah self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. yeah you would have to dig pretty deeply though to find something positive in the news today about downtown that, no about or downtown. Or in I think no yeah. I think it would be uh, I mean even nationally there's a this this is perspective of you know you hear about this city you hear about this city you hear about this city and it becomes overwhelming people just yeah they can't they can't see the forest for the trees. There are good things happening, and they're consistently happening. Mm-hmm. But every time you think, oh, this is a great thing, the next five things you read about are negative. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, from your perspective, I'm sure you get a lot of negative phone calls, like complaining about X, Y, or Z. But then there's also a lot of positive things happening. Um, in our role, I feel like we get to hear about a lot of it that never makes its way to the paper. But do you feel like the um, the trend right now is positivity behind the scenes or negativity? Like what is really happening versus what we're seeing in the front pages? I mean, I think <clears throat> certainly there's there's a lot of positive things happening. We have new businesses seemingly opening up every week now down here. I think we've had eight new businesses in downtown just this year alone that makes it 38 for the last 18 months okay which is, you don't hear about that you don't hear that any often. of that nobody that, would even believe that that's incredibly yeah. positive yeah. that's a number because that two of the biggest it. articles that everyone's talking about are two businesses that are leaving downtown right and one that's, that's killing every, america mcdonald's who cares right. if they're leaving right yeah and, and then, well, then there's like two that <laughs> I will not be the one to say them on a the podcast. The hot dog shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't bring myself to say and that. And I think he's going to stay, honestly. Like, yeah. God bless Denny. And who knew there was a business? I used to. Just in hot dogs in no, a town. No, they have other right? stuff. I know, but. Yeah. Yeah. Really good soft serve. 
Okay. But yeah, I think there is like a pile-on opportunity for downtowns generally. Sure. You know, I talk to my counterparts in cities around the country. I'm on this board where we all kind of, it's our therapy. Um, my wife is a therapist. Paige mentioned that she, she had an occupation. Yes, so she gets to hear everybody. And, and we have that therapeutic session in our roles um, in cities around the country. And <clears throat> it's a very similar discussion everywhere. And I think there's a, there's a lot of anxiety. And it comes mm-hmm. out um, in not wanting to go to the office because they're comfortable at home. They, they like their sweatpants. They don't want to commute. And so, you know, piling on to that of just saying, well, it is unsafe. And so that's another reason I'm not going to come down here. Like, I mean, that that's an easy thing for folks to say. Right. Previously, it was COVID and now that can't be COVID. So it's like, let's magnify these other things that will give us an excuse to stay at home. Yeah. And right. it's, a lot of it, like we were talking about it yesterday. Um, a lot of the people that say like, oh, my God, you go downtown to work every day we all like it and we all have seen an uptick in the traffic down here i mean the parking the traffic is just as bad as it ever was to get in the city the parking garages are full walking out for lunch break like you see almost just maybe just as many professionals as you did pre-pandemic i honestly think in recent months it's gotten back to that level but people who don't come down every day and work think like the city is on fire and it's all vagrants and it but they're not down here every day yeah so they just read the newspaper and paint this picture and it's not that that's not any of our experience we actually interviewed somebody from cleveland (laughs) we interviewed somebody from cleveland uh two weeks ago and he came into town and we had lunch at um eddie merlot's and he was sincerely blown away by the activity in downtown. He was like, Cleveland does not look like this. And that's part of the reason why I fell in love with Pittsburgh when we moved here 10 years ago. It feels like a different place. I still think we've got some work to do for totally. sure. Um, but you know, from the, the press is not doing us any favors because if you're a suburban um, person and your only access to information is what the press gives you, unless you're, like Paige said, coming down here every day, you've got your hands full in telling that story so what what is the pdp doing to try to you know tell that story in a way that the post gazette or the <laughs> the business times might actually pay attention to yeah i mean so we're working hard to welcome folks back and, and whatever that means um we want folks to have a good experience down here. There are 80,000 people coming down here every day. And what was it pre-pandemic? Um, it was around 140. So we're still We're still like 65, 70%. Yeah. Um, so it does feel a little off. And that's to the point of, you know, Mondays and Fridays are the really slow days. Everybody's either making that weekend a little longer or mm-hmm. starting it a little earlier. Um, but you get to Wednesday, Thursday traffic and it's it's pretty close to normal. Um, and so we want that experience to be rock solid for folks when they're down here. And it, and it is a little different. I mean, you can't, you can't deny the fact that there are more folks experiencing homelessness on our streets, right? Like, I mean, that is a fact. We count it every Friday. We can tell you how many fi- folks we found sleeping rough in downtown. And that's more than we had Historically, it's still not a huge number. What are those numbers? It's between 20 and 25 folks that are sleeping outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was it pre You would see five or six. Okay. Um, and you kind of knew where that was. 
Um, we do have a very large shelter operating on Smithfield Street. It's 140 folks, 150 folks. And at 7 a.m., they're asked to leave that facility. And at 7 p.m., they're allowed to come back. And so for 12 hours, you know, they're, some of them are accessing day programs. There's not enough of those. Like, you know, those are realities. And that was something that we did not have pre-pandemic. Um, you know, we, have, we opened the Second Avenue Commons uh, at the end of last year, expecting that to be a real um, savior for serving these individuals. And it was immediately capacity. And so this emergency shelter reopened. That was not the intent, okay. but it, it just kind of speaks to the demand. And so everybody's working hard to, to make that facility better, to decrease the size of it. And I think that that will help a lot. Yeah, and I think that that's that's an issue everywhere. Yeah, completely. Say, it doesn't matter where you are. It's not Pittsburgh specific problem. to Pittsburgh. No. And I think it kind of goes back to the negativity in the news where if you've heard it so often, even if you didn't notice it, the minute you see it, it becomes validated again. And it's just, it's it's a perception. I, I have noticed that <clears throat> things are picking up. Yeah. And I think that that's a, that's a good thing. It doesn't help when it's, you know, 30 degrees out. But, uh, <laughs> right. Right, but when uh, you know, and now you're starting to have the activities that are back here. Uh, <clears throat> there should be a lot of people that are down here for the marathon, and certainly the pirates have to be adding something to that. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, we were I mean, due. It would be great to see if those guys can really take off and go on a run this year because that stadium filling up—it's huge. Eighty nights a week or eighty nights a year is a game changer yeah, yeah they have the second best record in baseball right we got to work on that fan i think we're still pretty low on the fan count oh, the fan i don't count. like the fan the believes fan it yet horrible. Yeah. right they yeah. just don't believe it yet um but it is and and kind of back to your point about the fundamentals of of this city and of this downtown i think are still rock solid and the fact that we benefit from luke combs at um at i almost said Hinesfield at Akersher, um the Pirates, the Penguins, the Convention Center, all being within a 10, 15 minute walk of one another really makes downtown just bumping. I mean, Saturday night, weather was over. It was okay, right? You guys were out. I mean, it rained right. and people did yeah. not care. Yeah, but downtown's still busy. Like, try to find a reservation on a Saturday mm -hmm. night down here and, and you can't. But a lot of this stuff. Tequila Cowboy that. loved Saturday night. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen a line longer in my entire life. These cats said they were going to go to it. We walked past it. We're like, good luck right, getting yeah. into and that. And out. <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Well, uh, the convention and visitors bureaus, and are there more? Is that, I'm assuming that that got crucified by uh, it did. COVID also, but is there an uptick? Is there a, a pre-pandemic benchmark that you're yeah. looking to yeah. hit? Versus where it is today. And so where are we on that? It's about 76% um, back. Yeah. from a from a tourist and visitor perspective which is is good and that kind of speaks to you know folks are going to restaurants they're traveling they're not loving coming back in the office and we're not an anomaly mm -hmm. i was gonna say how's that yeah. track with your peer group in that yeah, I mean, form that you're in we're, we're we're right in the middle if not kind of a little higher than some of our peer cities are. okay but there's a certain size of, uh, of, of meetings and functions that we can have just based on the capacity that pittsburgh can accommodate <clears throat> right right yeah so and that is coming back i think um the the hospitality industry obviously just battered at the beginning but they had a pretty quick recovery you know people mm -hmm. wanted to get back in those restaurants they wanted to get out maybe they were traveling a little differently maybe not taking these long flights but they're you know uh the uh, 
the vehicle travel was was up pretty quick. Um, I think the office has, has lagged a bit, but it really has. I mean, you know, to your question about kind of what we're doing, um, you know, in addition to welcoming folks back to the dozens of events that are going to happen in the next six eight weeks down here. Um, we really want to to support those restaurants and retailers that are that are here. We've been working hard on kind of making better streets, which is harder than it sounds in a Pittsburgh than it is in like a Cleveland where your streets are super wide and you have all this kind of real estate. We're in such a tight grid that you change a street from two to one way or you take a lane for outdoor dining. You're like, oh, wow, like that capacity just changed volumes. And now that access to the bridge or to the highway um, or to the bus stop is is compromised. So it's it's tough. But that compactness is what makes us work better than I think a lot of our peers. Yeah, because it feels, I mean, in the proverbial, like 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag, like that's what Pittsburgh feels like to me. Right. Because office market size, it's almost identical to Cleveland. But when you're in Cleveland, you feel like you're in just like this vast yeah. nothing. Because it sprawls. It yeah. sprawls. It's like yeah. I mean, even downtown. downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's and, crazy. And again, that was... That was the way we dealt with things prior to the pandemic. It had nothing to do with that. It's just yeah. we're built in a you know around rivers and bridges and, and thank and God. Tunnels. I mean, the topography here makes us pretty freaking special. Yeah, I love so it for uh, downtown. It's uh, we had a client in yesterday touring industrial properties. It's tough. It, oh my God, this market is so <laughs> difficult. Like, Where is the flat? <laughs> because land, there is no please. flat land, and they don't have Amazon's budget, so they can't just like go cut a mountain off. Um, but it. It does definitely make downtown feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just too bad that the universe doesn't get to see it and feel it every day. And we're such a tiny group. I mean, there's five of us. We're clearly committed to downtown. We were back in the office before we were allowed to be. Um, right. Thank you. Yeah. We just, <laughs> you know, I'm. we had the opportunity and Paige, I think, really wanted it to move into an office space that was dog friendly, had a gym. I could walk to it from my house in suburbia. Um, but I just think that if you don't have a strong downtown, you can't have a strong region. Um, and even though we're just a blip on the whole grand scheme of the 80,000 people who show up every day, we're super passionate about it. Um, the executives who actually move the needle, like, you know, they might have 10,000 people who work downtown. Like, what are you hearing from them? Because we're hearing interesting things. Um, but, you know, our clients typically are privately held and can just say, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to deal with analysts and Wall Street and the news media. But what are you hearing behind? And we obviously don't need to name names. But sure. what are you hearing from those guys and gals? They're... There's a real desire to see their offices more full than it is today, but they have tried a carrot and they've tried a stick and they're, they're really struggling with kind of what that looks like. No one wants to lose folks um, on where you're officing alone. Um, but I do think we're going to see some stronger incentives. I know that some of the bigger places are calling management back. And there's an expectation that if you want to see your boss and your boss is in the office, you know, you're going to you're going to have some face time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's we've been talking about this for a while now. Right. Like we were talking about this a year ago. Right. And, you know, you have seen 
some of the big guys come back in more significant ways and you can tell on certain blocks where lunch spots are now full that we're not. Um, so it is happening, but it's, it's slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> that paradigm has shifted. Okay, we are never gonna get back to the time when everyone, that, that there's no work remotely option for people. It's just, it, it's just one of those things you're just gonna have to accept. And, um, but, and I think you'll change the way people actually do office in a downtown area, and yeah. even in a suburban area, it's kind of the same thing. But um, it's just got to weather the storm and keep going back and have the activity. I, I think people do crave the activity and the stimulus of a downtown. And I think it's going to be cyclical too. I think after being at home and remote for so long, I think there's going to be a certain point where people are going to crave the interaction again, and then that's going to be the thing that becomes in vogue. Um, especially, I think we've talked about it on podcasts before. I know I've talked about it with people who have asked what we think is going to happen with the office. Oh my god, we get that like, question every yeah. single day. Right. It's, like, and it's like, what do we know? Yeah, um, it, it but, might. But it's how how are younger generations of talent going to be mentored and trained and develop leadership leadership skills in organizations like a PNC or or you know. Um, I mean, most of the law firms are back, but some of the larger organizations that we have here, if they don't continue to develop that pipeline, which I don't see how you can do effectively remotely, remotely, right. and I always <clears throat> thought, like, I think it's reasonable to think that there's always going to be a lag. Everyone's like, oh, we moved remote during the pandemic and we didn't see any drop off in productivity. That's not an immediate thing that you can gauge. Like, yep. there's going to be a yeah. lag until you can see that. And if you're not seeing it in your financial performance metrics or whatever, you're going to see it in the development of your talent. And I think there's going to be maybe a, some of the more senior level management retires or whatever, and then younger people that are still developing in their career trajectories are going to need more of that one-on-one time. I think there's going to be a swing back. and. Maybe there will still be, you know, I'm sure there will always be positions that will be remote, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to be where PNC has to offer a hybrid option for any employee that they ever hire. Yeah, I actually think that the the model that will get adopted is a hybrid option. And it's... But how do you manage that? Like that's the, to the execs and HR people I've talked to, how do you manage a hybrid solution? Like one of our clients... They have struggled mightily. They have 140 employees on figuring this out, and they've tried the carrot. They've tried the stick. Um, they tried the you have to do whatever your group decides. Well, then they had groups who were showing up at the office at different days of the week, and that was a total disaster because then there was no – So. I just feel like you got, I mean, it's easy to say as uh, a leader of five versus a leader of 5,000, but I think these guys and gals just need to rip the goddamn Band-Aid off and tell their people, if you want to work here, you're going to come to the office. I can't believe this is coming from the boomer. Because, but hold on, (laughs) because guess what? If you don't, your job is going to be replaced by AI. It is going to happen. Well, that might be one of the factors that comes in and changes it. But I think that there will be a just more of a leniency as to the the structure of how it works. Now, is that going to develop into the new way of working? I don't know. Right. But I actually think that there's 
people that are a lot younger than me. I mean, I'm a go to the office every day kind of guy, but I think that there's people that are younger that just, it's kind of one of those things they don't want to give up and they'll either make it work or they won't be with that organization that long. And I think some organizations are going to tailor it and figure it out hopefully. Yeah. But if the top 20 CEOs in town, and when I say top, meaning top employers, all got together and said, we are going to make this the policy, then they would not have flight risk, which is what they're really worried about. They're worried about somebody leaving to go work from company A to company B because of a work-life balance situation. Right. But company A... Excuse me, company A and company B, some of these people can actually get employed by, they can live in here in, in Pittsburgh and work for a company in Denver. And that is an option for them. Right. So I don't, I don't know what the solution is. I don't, I don't, I couldn't yeah. even define and we don't the problem. Have the ball, and I have more questions for well, Jeremy. But I do yeah. think it'll be <laughs> flexibility, right? Like people want that. Yes. And that's the that's nice thing of technology yeah. is that it does like, oh, I got a sick kid. Like I'm going to take this meeting remote. But I do right. think, I mean, I had someone who started work for me two weeks before the pandemic, and they had health concerns that made them extra special cautious of coming back. And so, which I respected and appreciated that. Mm-hmm. But I remember like reintroducing myself and being like, I don't know this person. Like I've worked with you for <laughs> seven months now and I know you through a screen and I don't even remember how tall you are. You know, I see you from here up. And it's it's weird because you don't have like the banter of like oh what's going on in your life what are you doing this weekend because you're Absolutely. on a freaking call and you're just like and I'm done like let me end this call as soon as I can because you and know who, who remembers yeah. like well, Zoom it's yeah, just yeah, development yeah, professionals that overshare at lunch meetings <laughs> because they don't have coworkers to talk to God bless them <laughs> but I, I, I really think one of the things that can be the biggest draw of people coming back is. What, what does the city have to offer that everyone else doesn't? Right. It's stimulus, it's activity, it's opportunities, it's, it's people. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a concentration of mass of people. And the suburbs just don't have that. Yeah. Staying at home just doesn't have that. And there is going to be, now, this is not me, this is probably more directed at you, there's a fear of missing out. If you feel like everything is happening here and all these this is where all the social interaction is yep. i want to be yeah. there so we have to go with our fastball which is we're a city we can we can make things more active and that kind of goes back to the marathon the theater the restaurants the everything else that occurs yep. down here the more you can create these activities the more that you'll change that dynamic there yeah. were 61,000 people on saturday night who clearly did not care about being in a crowd right I mean, yeah. that's what's fascinating. There were 61,000 oh, people in the stadium. How many people were around the stadium? And it was right. fascinating. And then I know Paige has got a laundry list of questions. Um, what's fascinating is that he was so sincere when he stood on stage and was thankful about it was the largest crowd he'd ever played in front of. I mean, that's crazy to think that Pittsburgh was from a country concert. He literally just played two nights in Nashville. And the largest crowd he ever played in front of is Pittsburgh. That's why, I mean, I, like it admittedly choked me up to think that we were there and he was like recognizing how cool of a night it was. So I just have to say Asheville, North Carolina guy. So my hometown, he's from there. So, you know, shout out to my guy. He is a spectacular performer. Mm -hmm. Um, he really lived up to the bill. I've seen more concerts than most 
you know, it's pushing into the like high triple digits. Um, I think before it's all said and done, I'll get into the four digits. Um, and he he lived up to the bill. I mean, he he could rock, man, and he could sing. So, but concerts here, they they are that kind of draw. I they mean, are. This is a great place to play. I, I go back to the when West Virginia played Pitt in the backyard brawl. This was there were millions of people. I mean, yeah. millions. I'm exaggerating, yeah. but it was just packed. You're in real that estate. Was, You're It's to. the biggest crowd that they've ever had at um, Heinz Field or Acrisure. But think of the people that didn't even go into the game. Yeah. Right. Hi, right, Paige. Rapid fire. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to segue into. I feel like we should do more talking about the Pittsburgh Downtown Partnership, yeah. the services that you provide, how you interface with local government, local organizations, um, because it seems to me like the different things, you know, you do like the, the clean and outreach program, economic development initiatives, um, transportation and mobility, marketing events. For each one of those things, there are other government or quasi-government organizations that also like you have um, Domi, you have all of these different like Allegheny Conference, you have the mayor and his how do you interface with all of these different um, bodies for the different things that you are spearheading or, or working on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's in our name, right? We're the downtown partnership. So it's all about partnership. It's all about relationships. Um, our staff, we, we meet a lot. And you know, we were formed to basically... There, 350 some odd property owners in downtown Pittsburgh um, trying to kind of coordinate and collaborate and get consensus is, is what we attempt to do. What are things that are important to us? So a clean downtown, a safe downtown, that's easy. A downtown that you can get into and out of efficiently, that's easy. A downtown that's programmed, you know, that's easy. But then when you start kind of pulling back the layers there, and you're like, okay, well, how are we going to do this and who's going to make policy? Like that's where the secret sauces that's where the magic is and that's where it is about relationship building trust and so i've you know worked with three mayoral administrations now and you try and find what's important to them and kind of what their rhythm is and who key decision makers are and 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 talk to them about why what we do is important why downtown is important you know it's a hundred million dollars in tax collection that's coming from this place mm -hmm. so its health and vibrancy is is so much more important, frankly, than any other neighborhood in the region. And, you know, it's it's a, still a hard thing to convey at times. So, you know, it does take a village and it does take leaders. You know, I'm constantly talking to the Allegheny Conference and Visit Pittsburgh and the Cultural Trust about how we're coordinating and collaborating and advocating because things aren't always as as we want them collectively. So, well, and so... Oh. I have to ask. I mean, you put it on a tee and you're not going to like it probably. But, I mean, what is the current mayoral um, situation? Like, what is it that they want? Like you said, you got to figure out what they want. What do they want? I mean, I think they they want a vibrant downtown, right? They want to figure out a strategy to deal with um with crime, I think, citywide. And, and is that you know, changing? Like, and I'm sorry I'm interrupting, yeah, no. but... I know that we made this big this. announcement a couple months ago. There's going to be all these new police. I don't see it. Like, I'm here every day. I yep. don't see the new presence. So I'm curious. Because we do. 
we were just talking about this yesterday. Yeah. I don't see it at all. Lisa and I all agreed that we see way more police uniformed officers downtown than we ever have before. Yeah. So you're feeling it? Yeah. They, they promised those police and those police are here. Um, We talk to them. We have a standing meeting 8 a.m. every Tuesday where we kind of run the line of like, here's what's going on. Here are issues. And then we have a standing meeting that the community can join every second Tuesday where we just state the facts. Like, here are the problem issues. Um, Here are the areas where that's happening. Let's fix it. Because it's not, I mean, it is eyes and ears on the street. Buildings have security. It's like, put those folks on the street. Like, if you're in an area where there's some issues happening, like, it's on you, too, because we can't have a police on every block, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, if your lighting sucks, like, fix it. Like, if there are blank walls, like, activate it. It doesn't, you know, we know retail's tough and not every storefront's going to be full. But turn the lights on, put some art in it, and make it interesting to walk through. Those things matter. If things look well kept for you're going to feel more comfortable than if you're walking through a block that's completely you know burnt down and those are things that the private sector like we have to get on ourselves too and like you know government didn't cause all their problems and not going to fix them all so that's kind of where we step in and like that's the the investment in this new ambassador program that we have which is 12 folks on the street 7 a.m to 11 p.m seven days a week like these are you know there's only three or four of them at a time, but their whole job is to be visible. And they've been out on the streets for six weeks and they've said hello to 95,000 folks. That's incredible. So like we want you, if you're walking down and you're a little lost, to have that person kind of tap you on the back. You're like, oh, what do you need? What are you looking for? Oh, you want the Starbucks? You want a bathroom? You want you know, to know where the bar is? Like here's, here's that person. Because our streets can be a little quiet at times. Yeah. So they know, hey, the Biome Center's, uh, Biome Peter's letting out at 9.45 tonight. Like, be around there. Like, know where the parking garages are around there and, like, make sure you're visible. And they have a radio. So if they need somebody, they need, you know, police outreach or they have a question about where the PNC ATM is, like, they, if they don't know the answer, they'll, they'll, they'll have get it. it. And those are things that the private sector can do to support policing because i think we've all seen that police aren't the answer to all of our ills mm-hmm. and so like you know what can we do to, to help and so that's kind of where we you know, we we sit in that gap a lot of like yeah. where is the private sector not able to do something and the public sector is not like okay we'll fill in there how would i identify one of these individuals to address these <clears> questions they have a gigantic a on their back um for golden triangle ambassador they're in bright blue Unfortunately, they've been wearing their beanies for way too long because it's May and they're still in them. Um, but yeah, so they're 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 visible um, and they're literally walking around. I don't around know, heads Michael. Up. If you can't see a uniformed officer, you might not be able to see this person in a blue shirt with an A on their back. So we'll try to point them out for you. So we down to my my lack of vision. No, I haven't I haven't seen them, and I, you know everything else that you're describing. I, I agree with a hundred percent. There's some areas that you know you're walking down the street and. The, the retail has not come back yet. It's a dark portion of the street. So that's a great thing to know. Yeah. yeah. And being that you do kind of bridge the gap between a lot of like public, <coughs> private um, entities, I'm sure at some points, not to put words in your mouth, but I'll pose it as a question. <laughs> do you ever feel like there are just so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, that it gets hard to 
like how how do you take all of that input because i do feel like the city and this new mayor um, have been good at soliciting feedback but then how do you boil all of that down and try to find like the common denominator of what could make the most people right satisfied that's a great question i think it's something that 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 is the biggest challenge, right? Is what are you going to do? Because everybody knows that downtown's different. And, you know, we haven't talked much about like the B and C office market, but there are buildings that will likely not be office in the next five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we got to figure that out because what makes our downtown special is that it is walkable and it is historic. Mm-hmm. But those historic buildings, I mean, we are in a building that was built in 1905. Like it's beautiful. I love it the windows suck, you know, like I sit on a heater or like on the air conditioner. So that's probably not something that we're a nonprofit. We're going to, we have an excellent rent and I love our landlord. I'm not going to say who it is, but you know, um, that building probably in 15 years is going to be resi. How do we do that? You know, and how do we make those decisions as a community of how do we invest in those? Cause it's not cheap. You guys, run numbers you see these things like oh, those all have to, those, we have to like, get serious about those types of priorities mm-hmm. yeah i mean do you think that that's trying to does that spread yourself too thin is that a problem that you can't control well yeah is when i say we that, like it's the know, royal we yeah um yeah you gotta i mean you gotta pick a lane of the things that you totally. can actually impact yeah 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 but i mean we're also saying like we have to think about this and if there are kind of strategic corporate investments from a debt perspective, like these are things that cities must encounter and we need the tools to do that from an economic development standpoint. And again, we, not us, we're not in that yeah, lane. I think, but I, I think that's more of a, it's a solution that no one has right now, but it's organic. It's got to find its own way. Right. And the minute someone does it, markets are going to change. Right. And there's also going to be a lot of destruction that'll occur while that's a, happening but is it organic though like will it i don't i don't know that it is organic because i don't know that the numbers will ever just pencil without some kind of public backing to an extent like which is so true and so awful in the same vein that like the market can't correct itself the market needs the government to fix it because i agree like these B and C buildings, yes, they're going to become residential, but they're only going to become residential if somebody at the state level or the federal level makes it affordable right. because it's not well, economically maybe, feasible. Maybe they have a right. loan program to do that, but you need the positive and negative pressure of it. At some point in time, someone's got to say, there's there's no future for this property. I got to get rid of it, and this is the best I'm going to do. When we talk about lowering the basis of a property to allow it to actually meet the specifications of now it makes sense to develop it right right somebody will do that now the minute somebody does that now you've created that path that other developers like lemmings will follow right and just say okay i want to get on that get in on this it's going to occur over a long period of time 
I don't think it's something, maybe government has special loan programs for that. Right. Or tax that credits. Be, I mean, I think you look at the yeah. historic tax, tax credits, like that's a perfect example of like, hey, we want to preserve these buildings. We, and we're, you know, we put our thumb right. on the scale. Is it, is it a market mover? No, but it helps make those. Which is great, but we have. Helps make sense. We have tons of tax credit programs. Right. I mean, we do. Let's face so it. So what's another have. one? Let's do it. No, no, that's right. <laughs> what's, what's another, another handout? No, Just give no, it to but I, I agree. It would be great to have that program, but somebody has to begin to take advantage of it. And unfortunately, a lot of these older buildings are owned by older people. Right. Or 14 uh, is, older people. It's like the yeah, cousins. Yeah. Right? yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear me stay, say this, but at some point in time, there will be a change organically because... Oh, but I don't want to wait, right? Like I don't want to wait for blight and such disinvestment that you're like, oh, that building. I don't think it's blight that apart. I was talking about. I was really talking about. Just <laughs> well, no, but I mean the level of disinvestment in some of these assets. You're yeah. like, how can we change it? Encourage that because right. we want lively streets and we want more res. I mean, I'd love right. to see four million square feet of office converted to resi. Right. Like four that, million. Yeah. Yeah, it's twenty-four million in downtown. Well, how much how much B space is there in C space? Let's uh, just start on the C space. Like eleven, I think there's eleven million of that. And you own four of it to change tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. But I want that but to be a, our goal, like in like, a magic like, world, right? I'd like yeah. to see fifteen thousand residents in the triangle, and we're at about half at that right now. Seventy-five hundred. And think about okay. like what twelve yeah. folks think you know, about twelve what years that's ago, do. and and downtowns with large residential development, they prosper. Yeah, I mean, Center City Philly yeah. got back a lot quicker than us because they have 65,000 people living in their core. Now granted, their market's much larger, right. but they're downtown Center City, 65,000 folks. But they uprighted the a lot of their office <clears throat> vacancy by taking it off the inventory and turning it into residential. Right. I don't know what, what the numbers say? were. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know what the numbers on that were, but it was a dramatic change. Oh yeah. So I mean, the and it was millions of square feet that came off the market. It was intentional. And that's where I think you know the vision for us, like we have to all Absolutely. get behind, like this is important right. and this is how we, continue to but have that, a vibrant and place. That's actually, we won't go down this rabbit hole, but that is an interesting point, and I wonder if the type of office, either office landlord or the people that hold the property in a market like Philadelphia is <clears throat> a developer or an investor that could invest that money and time and energy into pursuing those conversion projects, whereas in Pittsburgh, it, maybe it is, I'm just spitballing, but maybe it is more um, generationally privately held um, with investors who can't stomach the expenditure of all of those resources and efforts and energy to pursue these projects for less of a return. Um, so I would be interested to see like a side-by-side -side of what the difference is between the investor pools that own those assets that were converted in Philly versus the ones that we're talking about in the B and C class right. here. Well, look at who's our largest residential owner in downtown Pittsburgh. It's PMC. Mm -hmm. That's Philadelphia Management Company. You know, yeah. like they they did it there, and then they came here. And frankly, you know, I've heard from the local development community that them coming in in 2011 and saying, "Oh, the numbers actually pencil here." These guys did it. They like lit a fire under our ass and said, "Oh, local developers, like you can do this too." And they did. And we've had twenty-five or so conversions in the last decade. Like that's not a number that we can't double. 
in the next decade, but we're going to have to be intentional. And the, the market's different, right? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe the incentive is some form of bank guarantee or loan guarantee or right. something of that nature that still has risk attached to it. So yeah, it's like setting that vision and saying this yeah. is important to us. And we're going to we also have to create a downtown that 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 welcomes residents, which we don't have enough of the amenities. Like, I think that we're missing a market with couples who have a kid under five. Like, I think apartment living is amazing. I had two kids in Brooklyn under five, and that playground was like an essential part of our life. And you don't have one. And we don't have one. Like, yeah. well, let's build one. Like, let's build pocket parks. Let's, we need more dog parks. The same, I was gonna say the same with the dog park. I mean, I used to live downtown. Me getting the dog was part of what spurred me to move into the suburbs because we had a, you know, 400 square foot triangle, right. you know, at the end of Fort Duquesne Boulevard. I met, like, still some of my closest friends that I've made since moving to Pittsburgh. I met at that dog park. Totally. And it was such a tiny, tiny piece of, like, the downtown. But it, it is such a great amenity because I lived in a building where I was in a 520 square foot apartment with no outdoor space. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like, that is what I craved and that's what pushed me to the suburbs is a lack of outdoor space yep now that clearly is something that that the city or governments can take advantage of because they can if i'm going to take this space out of the inventory of b or c product and just now i'm just it's going to be green space right and it's going to be this or this and you know the the thought that there's absolutely no financial return to it this is makes yeah. sense yeah, yeah there's plenty of clearly, studies to show and that. The but it does people that would do and it. then right. you got a police that not have people sleeping there true, overnight true right. absolutely right. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like with all the things and maintain it because right. we're good at building with, stuff with, but we need to as they're supposed it. to do on the rest of the community right so yeah so um what are the things that if you had the magic wand like i'm sure i have a lot of respect for your role because you have the ability to have serious patience and um, a stomach to deal with a lot of uh, voices. I feel like I would not be good in your role um, in the sense that I would feel like I was not getting anything done. But if you could tomorrow like wave the magic wand and actually three things that you just forget cost or forget bureaucracy, you could just make happen, what would they be? I think I'd have to start with, you know, kind of our mental health and homeless system. Like, I think that we have to do more as a region to invest in that. It's one of the, the biggest challenges that we have, not just for downtown, but but in many of our business districts, um, we're not equipped to handle the needs um, coming out of COVID, all those things. So if I could ma wave a magic wand, it would be more housing, more access to services, more outreach workers, um, more youth engagement. I think that that's something that, you know, having three kids, one in middle school, two in high school, like everybody's a little messed up in the head coming out of COVID. And I think kids who were not uh, given the support that they needed are really struggling. And so I think like those sorts of, of mental health and social, I mean, I hate to lead with that, but it's true. Um, I think waving a magic wand and creating a downtown that 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 attracts more residents is also something that I would I really want to focus on. I want those parks and open spaces. Like I've been walking down First Avenue for 11 years now and just like, man, this is such a cool street that really with the right sort of investment could be just drop dead gorgeous, right? It's got the right scale. It's it's beautiful architecture. If we had 
sprinkle some park some pocket parks you know bring up that retail and create a real residential node you're on the river it's beautiful like that to me is a dream san remos would love you they would be so thrilled they'd be booming I right know, I know, we support I them i love that place but I do too. it I do breaks too. my heart every time i go in there and there's mm -hmm. nobody there right but. um number three what would it be i mean I, I want and and i think we have to i want great retail and restaurants in downtown we have a lot of that but i really want to shore up our districts like i want you to think about sixth street into market square as this unbelievable dining experience there's 14 restaurants in a two block area they're all locally owned but one starbucks there's two theaters you know this is a great little pocket that we want to expand through market square and into market street you know like from river to river that's one corridor that you can actually walk from the Allegheny to the Mon, yeah, and that's hard to do down here. Like with that 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 competing grid system makes that almost impossible. Smithfield Street's another that almost gets you there, but so those corridors, I, the 900 block of Penn, I love that block. Like it's beautiful. Like how do we replicate that all the way down through the cultural district? How do we take that spine through Market Square and into you know the first side area, revitalizing Smithfield Street? I want to see a way that we can. This is, I guess, the answer to my question, that we can finance big capital projects in downtown. Like we have underinvested in capital for 50 years. We still have trolley signs up. We haven't had trolleys running through our streets. What's in, the check? Like how much do you need? Oh, geez. You need a, a financing structure, be it, you know, bond issuance that's dedicated to this. Like you need to find a way that's sustainable, that, that really captures the value. We need TIF districts in this commonwealth like we do not allow for that and i think that's a hamper for a lot of these kind of transformative investments when you look at other cities and how they do these things they create tools and they leverage private sector you know support um and they value capture which we're just not good at yet and you, but like quantify it is it a million dollar gap or a 50 million dollar gap uh, it's more than that i mean so more seven, than 50. seven and a half million dollars is being spent next year on the redevelopment of Smithfield Street for three blocks. Okay. Um, so, you know, six blocks, it's another seven and a half million, you know, like, so it, it adds up. And this is, this is literally make building face to building face in all the innards, but we're an old city, you know, some of these things, there, there's no maps on what's down there. So it's like crack it open and it's like an archeological, an archeological right. thing. There, there are all sorts of restrictions regarding that. Can I go back to your yeah. number one issue? Has there been any other urban area in the country that has addressed the homeless issue in a meaningful way? Is there some kind of model that you could look at? Um, I would say not a city per se, but there are there Community? are good organizations that are doing great things. I mean, I think Second Avenue Commons is a really interesting model, and it was built off of success in Portland and Seattle. You know, we've gone to New York as a small delegation of folks who care about these things and looked at specific programs there. And the, the, the problem with us is that our, our issues are relatively small, so it's really hard to get excited about it until you hear 17 news stories and then you kind of get the political will to kind of address Do something about it. Yeah. But, you know, there are good things, but no city's really figured this out, um, you know. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> incredibly challenging. And then you talked about the First Avenue thing. All I can think of when I walk up and down that street is <clears throat> the Back Bay of Boston. Yeah. And it's literally 
it's the same place. Yeah, totally. You know, it just it's, and those are seven million dollar apartments. Absolutely, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous how uh, spectacular it is, but it's just such a big, big bite that someone it, it's too big for someone to try to control all at once and you yeah. need some kind of entity. That, well, in 2019, we were talking about that. Like yeah. we were ready to kind of like, First Avenue was that. And then yeah, you, we know, have you a just kind of like- who did first to market in three. Yeah. You know, you, 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 yeah. just, you look three years back and like, ah, oh, okay, well, we're gonna get there again. This is maybe silly um, as we kind of come to a wrap here, but have has Pittsburgh ever done the like home and garden show? And I don't mean like that we're selling our house, come look at it. I mean like, no, we live here, we're proud of it, come visit our homes. Oh, I, I like thought you meant like at the tour. convention center. I was no. like, yeah, we have a home and garden show. You mean like the house tour? The house tour. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. to say like, hey, this is a really amazing place. I was fortunate enough a few years ago with a client who wanted to live in downtown. And we toured every available opportunity that had outdoor space. There are some incredible, yeah. incredible yeah. homes in this city. And I don't think anybody knows that. And I, I'm just curious. Let's like, do it. Yeah, that I, would be awesome. It was done in like the late 2000, like 2008, something like that. Okay. But you know, we've grown during COVID. The downtown residential population has grown 21. percent Like that's you don't hear that. But you know, there's, there's some really key executives cool who have some properties. really incredible homes downtown right. that like, nobody knows. Take about. your photos <laughs> off the wall, but let us show you. Yeah, space. Let us show us your space. Yeah, you know, that's another thing. You, you've, you've thrown out some numbers here that the metrics; those are incredible successes. Yeah. yeah. You know, those. Are I talk about them. Be, they just don't get printed. About. Right. Well, we, we have Follow to us on about, social. We, we, yeah, we, we talk about be, it. We have to talk about more. All right. So, what's your uh, trade secret? My trade secret. Yeah, for either, or maybe I, both. Maybe it's a dual question. Jeremy's personal trade secret oh, coupled with uh, the PDP's trade secret. Well, what I'm trying to do is like listen more, talk less. Um, I think that's... Isn't that a line from a really <laughs> famous musical? Yeah, Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. Is it? It is. But it's also probably not hard for you because I'm sure there are a lot of people around you that really want to talk a lot. Right. <laughs> I mean, for our organization, it's, you know, we want you to love this this neighborhood as much as we do. And I think, you know, when you look, when you talk about Pittsburgh, it's this skyline that you're thinking about. When you are watching the Pens or the Pirates or the Steelers, like, it is this neighborhood. And so... People are passionate, and when we post, you know, the uh, the photos of the skyline on social, like that's where we get all the, the likes, hits. all the feels. But people actually have to do more than just like like the look of that. They need to get down here, and they need to support these folks. So our trade secret is like get down here if you want vibrancy, if you want retailers and restaurants, you have to support them. And you can't expect that they're going to be here when you come to a show once a year because that's what you want. Like, you have to get committed and you have to, like, pay to park. For Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, it's not <laughs> that big of a deal. Right. Like, you pay to park in your suburban home whether you realize it or not because your taxes are paying for your parking. Yeah. So. Um, were you going to say something else? Because no. I was going to say outside of the trade secret, which is how we normally end it. I'm curious to know, what is the one thing about Pittsburgh that has you most excited looking for the future? I mean, it's, it's, it's probably 
the innovation in the future. And I think just the fact that we have such great talent coming out of our schools, and we talk about this all the time, and I'm kind of sick of talking about it, but I mean, it is such an amazing thing that when I look at other cities and you think about what they have and the assets of the, was it 60,000 students that we have within 10 miles of here? You're talking about collegiate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like that, to me, gets me so excited. We, we must do better at keeping those folks. But I think that is happening. You know, I live in the East End, and and I do feel like there are more young professionals who are like, oh, yeah, I've planted a flag here now, you know, and maybe that's just a neighbor that I'm in. But that gets me most excited. It's like, how do we kind of bottle that up? I mean, I love the city. I always felt, I always say that this is a city that deserves to be one. And I've lived in many places where you could just move the city around 30, 40 miles. And you're like, eh, it doesn't really, it, there's nothing here that makes it special. And this one is definitely not that. These rivers, this topography. It's really interesting you said those two things, both the university and then topography. People ask me all the time, because I'm from Cleveland, like, why did you fall in love with Pittsburgh? And I say there's three things about Pittsburgh that are different than Cleveland. Um, the political structure is different in that we've got a uh, county executive who actually can do something. Right. Uh, right. Cleveland adopted that recently, but you know we've got 30 years on them. Uh, that is a game changer. Make right. no mistake about it. Um, the topography forces the issue. Like, it forces all of it into a specific place. And then... Pittsburgh's ability to take the university experience and then multiply it, Cleveland hasn't figured it out. They have an incredible university in Case. Yeah. Case hasn't figured it out. Right. Carnegie Mellon has figured it out. Yep. And those are the three things that I think have changed it. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, as we wrap, though, we got to give our guests some. Uh, thoughts on junction 35 this is the single barrel so this is different than the one we tried last time yes this um, was good yeah i'm a taker i love it i like right. it I, I like it and um did you know that this was um distilled in indiana really Just, yes it's distilled in indiana it's Oster not even bourbon. there it's imposter uh, bourbon Wow. Well, well, it just, uh, but it's bottled uh, yeah. by the uh, junction 35 spirits in okay. pigeon forge but it's just that there's so there's a strong bourbon influence great quality bourbons outside of kentucky um <laughs> but you're a taker you oh, like I'm, a, I'm definitely a taker how about you jeremy yeah big fan yeah. I like yeah. It. yeah i think my mental state of mind <laughs> is different towards bourbon today than it was <laughs> last time so for some reason i feel like i like the last one better but that could be a me thing yeah i i, I do want to say that you You've made me feel a little bit more enamored with downtown, and you have said a couple things that there's the, the you know the topography issues that you mentioned. It's not if if you look at it like it's an issue, it's an issue. If you look at it like it's a, an opportunity or just a nuance to where we are, it's an asset. I think anybody who optimistic Michael Cass. Yeah. I think anybody who like comes it. to visit this city needs to go have dinner on top of Mount Washington Absolutely. and they will forever feel differently about the yeah. city. Or I do feel bad for folks who come from the east and they don't get the right. the tunnel bridge experience. Like I will just take them through because I'm like, oh, you came from New York? Like, yeah. no, 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 we have to <laughs> do this. They're like, why? I'm like, oh, no, 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 you have to do it. Yep. Well, if you, if you drive through that tunnel on a Monday night football game, 
any night. You, well, I got to tell you, Monday night is pretty special. I wouldn't do it on a Monday special. night because you're going to sit in traffic. <laughs> no, no, no. On a Monday night when the game is on, there, when the game is on, it is like you, you look at it. It's magical, and that's the word. And that we have a lot of great things. And you know, don't focus on. Let's just say the obstacles. Yeah. Just the things that make Pittsburgh special. Driving to Charlotte. Yeah. They don't have that. Right. Yeah. There's Ohio. I'll I'll go immediately. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. This is never going to end. Right. Long, flat, and straight. It's just. Right. Uh, but this is this has got a lot of stimulus to it. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Very yeah much. No, my pleasure. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Really yeah. appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. it. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Do an air shake. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. We'll see you soon.